Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, everyone. Today's episode features the transformational journey of the Flow Lane podcast host, yoga and meditation teacher, Emma. Emma and her fiancé knew from early on that they wanted to dive deep into their healing and spiritual work before conceiving their first child. Although their planned conception happened sooner than anticipated, like the motto Emma lives by, she softened into the season upon her. After a challenging first trimester, Emma used the remainder of her pregnancy to immerse herself in birth literature and her wellness practices, feeling in full alignment with their birth preferences as they found a hands-off midwife who held space for her to step into her own power and intuition. Emma entered the birth realm in complete trust and patience for the journey ahead. Today we hear how chasing down a beach umbrella naturally induced her labor and the moment she felt the spirit of her sacred sisterhood and ancestors embrace her as she transcended to the stars. Enjoy the episode. Emma, welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to finally be here. Could you just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So we live in the Byron Shire up here in the Northern Rivers. And in my family, it is myself, my, I guess, technically fiancé, but I just kind of call him my hubby, (laughs) Um, partner Tyson. (laughs) We're basically married. And um, our little boy, River, who will be two at the end of the year, which is wild to think. Yeah, it goes by so quickly. Now, for those that don't know, you're also the host of an incredible podcast called The Flow Lane. Thank you. I can obviously relate to finding the balance of work and mum life. So I really enjoy the raw and honest content you share around that. Yes, it's definitely interesting, isn't it? When I went into motherhood, I just thought that I would have more time to work. Like, oh, don't babies just sleep all the time and you get all this time to do? Oh, if only. Uh, No. So, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a bit of a, um, yeah, it's just, you know, you just I just soften to the season that I'm in and sometimes I get way more work done and way more podcasts recorded and sometimes I don't and that's okay. So we just roll with it. We flow with it like the podcast is all about. Yeah, love that. Wonderful podcast. I will link it in the show notes for anyone interested. 
Was River a planned conception? Technically, but he came about six months ahead of time. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we... We had been, we knew from the moment we met each other that we were going to have children together. I remember the moment so clearly when we were in our we're just friends face and Tice was standing at my front door and this like tunnel vision came through and it was like, you need, he's going to be the father of your children. It was like, boom. And so we opened that conversation really early on in our relationship. We both knew that it was something that we wanted and we went on a bit of a, I guess more of like a spiritual preconception. We knew that we wanted to do a lot of inner child work and to minimise, I guess, the stuff that we'd been working on, not wanting to pass that through to the baby. So we knew we wanted to kind of dive into some deeper stuff and do lots of ceremonies and ritual and, and different healing things around that before conceiving. So we'd kind of been on that journey Um and then physically as well, like I knew I wanted to be really strong, so I'd been strength training and all that kind of stuff. And we kind of thought, okay, cool. We had this whole plan for 2020 of we were running, we used to run um, international yoga retreats. And so we had three retreats overseas. We were going to a wedding in London. We're like, great, we'll have 2020 as our year of travel. And at the end of the year, we'll move up to Byron and we'll get pregnant. Um, <laughs> and then this little bug came to town <laughs> and the whole world changed. Um, and so right at the beginning of, of all of that, we were living in Melbourne at the time. And the world was kind of changing and lockdowns were happening. We were like, oh, this is not looking good for our year of travel. And I had previously been told that it might be challenging for me to have children because I'd had um, polycystic ovaries and different hormonal stuff going on. And so we had this chat and I said to Tice, like, look, I know we said the end of the year, you know, we'd open up that you know, that door, but I think maybe we should try a little bit sooner. It might take us a while. You know, you you hear all these stories of, you know, six, eight, three year conception journeys. So I was kind of thinking that and, and he was like, yeah, yeah, I agree. And we, you know, had this amazing chat all about it and we were actually pregnant at the time. Oh, always the way. (laughs) <laughs> and um, it's quite funny because I, I feel like I knew the moment he conceived, I thought, oh, that felt different. But I kind of, I guess, ignored it because I was like, no, no, it's not part of the plan. You know, we're, we're on this other path. And, yes, yeah, so we had that discussion. And then a week later I was like, so you know how we just had that chat? Yeah, it turns out we are already pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it kind of worked in our favour worked in our favor that we couldn't travel because we would have been I would have been heavily pregnant running a retreat in India like you know it just it wouldn't have worked the in the most ideal way so yeah the world shutting down in that sense supported us to move to Byron and and have our little boy up here amazing and how was your pregnancy with him first trimester I literally thought I was going to die (laughs) I was so sick I had constant migraines constant vomiting um I felt awful and I remember my partner many times just came and picked me up off the shower floor and I was like I can't do this for nine to ten months like this is this is awful um and he just kept picking me up like it's okay we'll get better and and I actually think from an energetic point of view that almost had to happen that was my lesson in fully surrendering to him and allowing him to do everything for me because I was very hyper independent very much like I don't need anyone I don't need a man to do stuff I can do everything on my own and in that moment I realized I actually really need you and I need you to like literally feed me and all like I was a mess for quite a while and it it, it did get better but when we were packing up our apartment in Melbourne I was lying on the couch and people were coming 
to do viewings and they're looking at me and he's like, don't worry about her, she's just pregnant. And I <laughs> looked dead. Like I lost so much weight. I just was pale. It was like people would see me and they're like, oh, what's wrong with her? Um, so, yeah, definitely. I remember seeing my acupuncturist and I'm like, when do I start glowing? This is BS. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and so we moved um, up to Byron. I think I was about 16 weeks by the time we got up here. And when we got up here, the week later was when Melbourne went into its really, really harsh lockdowns. And so there was this huge sigh of relief within me to just be like, I'm so grateful to not have to go through this pregnancy amongst that. Like, kudos to all the mums that did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, sl- it just slowly, slowly, every day I'd vomit less. Every day I'd get less headaches. Like, it just slowly, slowly started to stabilise. And I think by about 20-ish weeks, I was feeling that surge of energy from the second trimester starting to come through. And then I loved the rest of my pregnancy. It was the best. And I almost made me forget about how terrible the first trimester was. I just, I loved it. I felt amazing in my body. Um, We, you know, we were so lucky to be up here where I could swim in the ocean every day. Um, We were, I was doing heaps of recording of all of our, we have an online platform so I was doing lots of recording for that and I just felt creative and in flow and you know so many ideas were coming through and I loved the process of you know learning about birth and I was really into you know reading all these different books and just immersing myself in the experience of being pregnant and now looking back I think gosh I will never get to do that again having a toddler in tow when we go for round two because it was so lush like I had massages I went for long walks I just all these things that I think oh wow like I'm so glad I did that at the time because I don't think the situation will be the same yeah um but yeah I, I really really enjoyed it and I loved it up until you know the final days I definitely um, was feeling a bit heavier and tired towards the end but overall I just was so in awe of the process that was occurring and just like bl- kept blowing my mind like there's a human being inside of my body this is wild yeah wow still blows my mind on the daily so what was your perception of birth at that stage like did you have many fears associated with it yeah great question I didn't have a huge amount of fear but I also didn't know a lot about it so I'd only really had a handful of girlfriends that had given birth Mm -hmm. um and it it just was sort of you know something I wasn't overly involved in it wasn't super on my radar and so when I started looking into it straight away I knew that home birth would be our um preferred method of birthing like that was just what felt right for me um, and I spoke to a few other girlfriends and they were like, you know, if you're going to go down the private midwife route, you need to get onto it soon. Because um, when I first found out I was pregnant, a girlfriend was like, go and see a GP, um, get the, you know, get the blood test, do this and this, do that. And I did that. And it just felt so sterile and so hostile, the environment. And she was like, yep, you need to go to this hospital and tick this box and this thing and this test. And I was like, oh, this doesn't feel right to me. And so that's when I started to be like, okay, I need to explore other options. And I guess I was also very aware from the energetic perspective of that my state of being was going to have a direct effect on the baby Um, and anything that I was still carrying and hadn't processed was going to come through during birth as well. So I dove into a lot of Rhea Dempsey's work. She's got some really amazing books um, which talk about, you know, how different attachment styles can play out in your birth and whatnot. Um, I read um, a lot of Dr. Sarah Buckley's work. I really loved her approach to everything all the Ida May books, I just sit in the bath and read all of that. Like I just, I loved it. And I think because, you know, of my work in the yoga and meditation space as well, I was very aware of 
the programming that can occur in your subconscious mind and that when you go into a state of stress, it's your subconscious programming that comes through. So I knew that if I kept listening to birth stories where everything went dramatically wrong and it was horrendously traumatic and whatever, that that would what would be would kind of come through in those moments. So I was also very mindful of that fine line of empowering yourself with knowledge and knowing, you know, what could potentially happen or, you know, the, the, the chance scenarios and whatnot, but then also actually focusing my attention on those more positive stories um, like your podcast and, and those kinds of places that highlight, you know, the amazing portal that opens during birth and how incredible it can be and that was what I really wanted to focus my attention on because I knew that that's what would come through Mm -hmm. in those moments so it was a huge trial by fire the pregnancy like a lot of emotional stuff came up a lot of healing around my mother line and the relationships within our family like it was really big but I felt this need to go into it head first. I was like, okay, cool. Like this is coming up, but I, I need to work on this now because I don't want to work on this when I'm sleep deprived in postpartum. So I just had this knowing that when things arose, I needed to have the conversations. I needed to go into those places that were maybe more uncomfortable because I, I was really wanting to just clear that essentially before stepping into the birth portal. So powerful. What did that look like for you in terms of the kinds of fears that arose? You know, I think when you, when I was surrounding myself by positive birth and I was, you know, planning a home birth, all that kind of stuff, you're still impacted when people say to you, oh my gosh, you're having a home birth, what are you going to do if something goes wrong? And, you know, no one in our family had really heard of home birth. So it was very much like, oh my gosh, how far away is the hospital? And does your midwife really know what she's doing? And, you know, there was a lot of other people's fears and that definitely had an impact. Like there was moments where I was thinking like, oh gosh, like if something does happen, what what would I do? And do I, do I really know that much about it? Am I just kidding myself that suddenly I've read a few books and I'm a birth expert, you know, like, <laughs> and I, I'd read a lot about, you know, birth not having to be painful. And I'd done a lot of reading into, you know, orgasmic birth. And I was like, oh, I definitely want one of those. Um, <laughs> but I, I knew that mindset would be a huge piece. And so for me, it was like every time a fear came up, you know, I remember I woke up one night and I had this really vivid fear kind of dream of like me ending up in a situation where Tyson had to choose between myself or the baby and I'm waking up in the middle of the night, just crying and being like, you have to choose the baby. Like his path is more important. And Tyson's like, what are you talking about? And we're both like bawling our eyes at 3am and he's like, babe, what have you been watching? What have you been reading? I'm like, I don't know. This is just coming up and I need to voice it. <laughs> so, you know, I, as, as much as I went into it, you know, in that more empowered state, there was definitely those fears of the unknown that arose of like, I don't actually know what this is going to be like because it seems so different for every woman. Um, so I think the thing that really helped me in that was my partner, Tice, was like the ultimate doula. He was so, so solid. He'd seen his sister be born when he was 10 and it was quite a traumatic birth. She had, you know, obviously the cord being wrapped around the neck is not a bad thing, but back then it was a bit of a drama and she got whisked away. And so he'd seen that kind of play out and he had done a lot of work around healing that and was just so, like, supportive and solid like he was like yeah we'll just free birth if our midwife doesn't make it on time we'll be fine like he just had so much confidence 
in the process, which is pretty amazing because I don't think a lot of guys do. Um, And that also gave me that feeling of like, okay, cool, like we're solid as a team going into this. I didn't feel alone. I felt like if I was going to waver, he would know what he needed to do and say to kind of get me back into the zone. And we almost, I mean, he's he's been a PT and a coach for many, many years. So he kind of approached it like that. Like he was prepping me for a marathon. You know, we had the snacks planned out and the hydration recorded and, you know, he was going into it with that, that mindset of like game face on and like, how can I be that supportive coach essentially? Um, And that was actually great because, you know, it, it really made me feel supported. And I always say to people, like, if your husband just or partner doesn't happen to be like that, get a doula, like get someone that can hold that space for you because it's so, so important to be able to look into someone's eyes and know like they're looking at you he not once did I look at him and he had pity or fear or anything in his eyes every time it was like this you got this like he just held this unwavering belief in my ability to birth and that just made such a difference in moments where it felt challenging I should hire him out yeah (laughs) (laughs) so you ended up finding a midwife to support you yes so I think because I'd heard about it kind of, you know, being a bit of a wait list and whatnot, I didn't know much about it, to be honest. I just started looking it up and, you know, there's birth centres and there's hospital home birth programs. And I looked into the hospital home birth program and I just kind of read some of the rules they had. And one of them was if you get to a certain um, gestation period, you know, you get kicked off the program if you go over, if you're overdue kind of thing. I say that with inverted commas, mm-hmm. um, quotation marks. Anyway, so I, one of my best friends had, you know, had gone through a hospital system and they were threatening her with induction and all these kinds of things. And, you know, she she didn't know what she knows now at the time. And so she was stressing trying to get this baby out because she didn't want to be induced and da 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 And I remember watching that play out and being like, okay, I don't want to be that person that's eating 6,000 dates a day, pacing up and down the stairs, stressing about getting my baby out. I knew that the stress was going to be the worst thing to bring on labor. So that's what made me steer away from those um, birth programs. And we actually would have, if we had gone down that road, we would have actually ended up being kicked off because we did go post their rules of however long you're allowed to be pregnant for so the home birth the private midwife seemed like the best option and there's there was only a handful of them in this area and I just rang one and because we were birthing right around Christmas a lot of them weren't working so I'm thinking oh my gosh I hope this works out and then we met <laughs> we met Libby and the first time we met her I was like she doesn't like me um but I just felt like <laughs> I really liked her like I just felt like she was just badass and the way that she approached birth was just so like she was yeah she was so cool calm and collected and she had so much experience and and you didn't think she liked you I didn't think she likes me because I'm such a probably hear my voice I'm such a like (laughs) friendly outgoing kind of person and she was kind of like whatever like (laughs) take it or leave it it's fine um But she just, you know, like what she said, she was like, you know, it's not my job to mother you through this process or whatever. Like she's there as birth support, you know, like she has a role to play. And I found that actually really empowering because she never let me give my power to her, which was so powerful. Like every decision that came up around different tests and things like that, she would never give her opinion. Mm. I could kind of tell which way she would personally this way but she would rather go okay well here's some studies for you to read here's a book that maybe you would like to read and you can make that choice for yourself and I I loved that because it felt like at no point did I ever give my power away to her and just go it's fine Libby's gonna be there she'll birth the baby she was like no no no, I'm just there to watch basically and 
intervene if I need to. But, you know, we didn't do any checks during um, labor, nothing like that. Like she was so hands off. And that ended up just being so much more empowering for me to step into my own power. I keep saying power, but my own power in that sense, because, yeah, I, I don't feel like she ever came in and went, this is how we do it. This is how I birth. This is the procedure, blah, blah, blah. It was very much about what do you and Tyson want and how can I support that? And that relationship grew and we got to know each other. And, yeah, we like now I, I, I still say when I see her around, I'm like, I need to have another baby so we can hang out more. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's so great. And we just, yeah, she just became such a special part of that that point in our lives and if we did birth again like she's the first person I would call yeah so special so jumping to the end of your pregnancy how were you feeling and how long did you end up gestating for so I was 42 weeks in the end um and it was hot it was the end of December um it was 40 billion degrees (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I just wanted to be at the beach every day, just in the, I, I, I'd gotten to that point where it just, you know, my belly was so heavy that all I wanted to do was hold onto a pool noodle and have my partner dra- drag me around the waves. <laughs> it would have looked so funny to anyone watching, but just that felt so relieving in my body. And I just felt this urge to go, I went completely offline. I went off social media. I actually texted my close friends and family and said, like, don't call me, don't text me, call Tyson if something's wrong, we'll contact you when the baby's here. Like, I just really felt like I wanted to go into my cave And we just enjoyed those final days together. Like I think once we kind of went over our date, we actually had a really crazy experience um, on our due date. There was this big cosmic shift happening in the world. And I was like, oh, he's definitely coming because like the cosmos says so. (laughs) And I got hectic gastro. Like I purged both ends for over four hours. My midwife ended up, Tyce called the midwife and she's like, she sounds like she's in labor. And she got there and she's like, you're actually, your belly's contracting. She's like, but she just felt, I could tell she was like, I don't feel like this is it, but something like I've never seen anyone this sick. Like I was violently ill. And then as soon as that, like, I think it was like Jupiter converging with Saturn or something happened in the sky, I stopped vomiting and we sat down and meditated, went to sleep. And then I had another week and a bit or two weeks, three weeks after that to recover. And I just was that gastro. I remember thinking to myself, if this is actually labor, I can't do this. Like this is so violent. And I feel like I was on all fours, both ends, just, oh, it was awful. Um, But it almost felt like the final purge, you know. And so then that also really slowed me down because I was like, okay, cool. If I do go into labor in the next few days, I have just depleted myself big time. So we just did really slow days at the beach, you know, beautiful date nights together, sitting on the ocean, like just really enjoying those final moments together. But then also being so excited for baby's arrival. So we were kind of like when is he coming? We really want to meet him. Also like, oh, we probably should enjoy each other's company and like, oh, another last date night. You know? <laughs> so um, true. <laughs> it's like, how many more of these is there going to be? Yeah. Were you feeling super impatient by that point? I li- towards the end, I was a little bit like, I was, you know, every day I would look at my belly and be like, he's definitely dropped. Look, he's definitely yeah. dropped. And everyone's like, mm, I don't think that's dropping, babe. <laughs> <laughs> but I was kind of, I was just so excited and I was so pumped for birth. Like I felt so ready. We'd set up the birth pool like two weeks too early. We had to take it down. Like it was, <laughs> we were just, we were living in half a birth space because we kind of, when I got the gastro, we started setting up thinking, oh, this could be it. 
And then it turns out it wasn't. So then we had to put our lounge room back together. And yeah, it was just this weird in-between space where you know your life is about to change forever, but you're also really trying to enjoy the present moment. And so, yeah, I, I actually, a week leading into the birth, I started having, so I was in pre-labor for about a week. And so every day for three-ish hours, I would get contractions that would build, they'd get closer together. You know, I'd, we'd be walking along the beach and I'd have to stop. And I'm like, oh, like this feels intense. We'd go home, they'd intensify and then nothing. And um, that sort of started to play with my head in the end because I was like, is this ever going to happen? Like, yeah. am I just going to keep getting these moments of intensity? And I was, I was like, come on, let's keep them going. Let's keep them going. Like, I was so ready for it. And then they'd go and I'm like, okay, that was just, I think in the end it probably really helped because I was probably like I was in pre-labor, so I was probably dilating and it was helping open me and, and soften me over a prolonged period of time. But yeah, mentally, I was kind of like, okay, I'm over this. Like, I'm ready for this. Um, you know, we we got to Christmas Day thinking we would have a baby, and we we're like, oh, we haven't even prepared like any sort of fun Christmas lunch or food because we thought we'd be in a newborn bubble eating soup right now. You know, like, yeah. Right. So it was just this weird moment in our lives of just kind of being a bit all over the place, but also just really enjoying the time together and just getting ready for that inevitable moment. And we just, I had so much trust that he would come when he was ready. Like I knew it wasn't about me. I knew baby has to press the eject cord. You know, I wasn't worried about running up and down hills and doing all that kind of stuff. I was just doing my usual beach walk and swim and that was pretty much it. Um, just trusting that. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say is your go-to method or tool when keeping yourself grounded, especially in that last few weeks of pregnancy, which can be really challenging, I find, for most women? Yeah, meditation is a big one. I mean, I'm a meditation teacher, so that's always yeah. going to be my go-to. <laughs> but we meditated a lot. Mm -hmm. um, we meditated a lot together. Um, I think I also knew that we we'd prepared a lot for postpartum and I also knew, okay, if I suddenly go out and start running upstairs and depleting myself, I'm going to go into birth depleted, then I'm going to go into motherhood depleted and it's going to be a cascade effect. So I was very much like, how can I nurture my nervous system? Should we do another meditation? Let's spend some time out in nature. Like we we took our van because it doesn't have um, room for a car seat. So we knew that that was the end of our van era in life. So yeah. we, we know we'd take our van to a new place and we'd go and open up the back and sit and watch the ocean and rest and meditate and eat food and just hang out together. And that felt almost like a little mini holiday to just enjoy that those five days together mm -hmm. but for me like the mental game really came from meditation yeah I meditated twice a day every day I had lots of baths listened to my birth playlist and really just um did lots of dancing actually just I had two birth playlists I had because I didn't know what my, my vibe would be I had one really chill one and one more like upbeat if I needed some energy and so I'd kind of alternate between listening to the two of those and just feel yeah in in that zone of just really getting ready, but also not, I guess my big intention was not depleting myself. So every day I would think, okay, I need to make, I've eaten enough, I've drunk enough, I don't want to go into this depleted. It was like I was just preparing for a marathon or something. Mm, yeah, of course. So do you offer any kind of meditation courses that are sort of more pregnancy focused, I guess? Yeah, so I have a course actually called Calm for Two, which is okay, cool. it's, a, it's technically a 10-day course, but it's like 10 different meditations that you can do um, throughout pregnancy. And there's kind of like I give a little bit of a talk at the beginning um, of each session and then there's a meditation and a journaling practice or 
some other kind of practice that goes with that. Mm-hmm. So I was definitely leaning into those as well and, you know, doing a lot of journaling about any fears or anything that was coming up. Um, yeah, all of that kind of stuff just that really helped me. Yeah, amazing. I will link that in the show notes for anyone that is interested. <laughs> Let's jump ahead now to your birth experience. Were there any significant signs that labor was nearing? So I had kind of had those light contractions again in the morning and I woke up and I said to my partner, I think we should go to the beach and I think you should have a surf because I feel like it'll be your last surf for a while. And he was kind of like, are you sure? I don't want to leave you. And I'm like, well, let's just go. So we went to the beach and I said, I'll take the beach umbrella and if something's happening, I'll push the beach umbrella up and down a few times (laughs) and that'll be the signal to come back in. He's like, yep, sweet. So we go to the beach. I got so sunburnt, which I don't recommend doing going into labor. (laughs) So I was, (laughs) I'm sitting on the beach. He goes out for a surf and suddenly this gust of wind comes and takes the beach umbrella and literally blows it halfway down the beach. So there's me at 42 weeks running after a beach umbrella and this man saw what was happening and he's like, stop running, I'll get it. So he goes and gets the beach umbrella. He puts it back in the sand for me. It's probably like a 20-minute saga. I look out to the ocean. My partner has not even noticed. He missed the whole thing. I'm like, too bad if I'm sitting here bloody giving birth trying to get your attention. Oh, that is so funny. But after after that little bit of a run, I came back and sat down. I was like, ooh, things are intensifying now. And so he came in and I told him what happened and he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm not paying attention at all. And I said, I think I think we should go home. Like, I'm, I'm getting really sunburned and that's not ideal. So we got in the car and um, we pulled up at our house and we actually had a scheduled visit from our midwife because she was kind of coming every day as I was, you know, in those later, later stages. And also being around that New Year Christmas period, it was kind of just a weird vibe around, like everyone's in holiday mode. So she was coming over. We got out of the car and I felt this kind of wetness between my legs and I was like, oh, my waters are broken. And I kind of looked down and I was like, oh, it's not really that much. It didn't really feel like much of it. Like it wasn't mucousy. It wasn't like an over ovary show. I just kind of thought, I felt like I'd peed myself. I'm like, that's, that's weird. So she came in and I told her that and she was like, oh, just put a pad in and, you know, like send me a photo of it she but she kind of said like look just just get some rest and I'll and call me later but I I think I feel like I might be seeing you later tonight and then she left and I said to my partner I need an acai bowl and he's like what I'm like I need an acai bowl now he's like okay so we drive down to our local cafe and I'm sitting in the car and by that stage I was starting to have proper contractions and he goes into the cafe and he's like hi I just want to order an acai bowl and they're like oh we don't have any left (laughs) and he's like oh well my partner's in labor and they're like she's in labor take her to a hospital what are you doing buying an acai bowl (laughs) he's like it's fine it's fine she just really wants an acai bowl I have to go to IGA and get a few more things I've got to buy some coconut water I'll be back so they're like oh we'll see what we can do so anyway he goes running back in and they're like we found some acai at the bottom of the freezer like take it go like it was like this big dramatic movie moment (laughs) so he comes into the car and I'm eating this acai bowl and I said to him I feel like I'm going to regret this in a few hours but there was just this this desire in me of like you need sugar like you need this quick hit of energy now and so I ate the acai bowl and we went home and we had chickens like we had a whole backyard full of chickens and it was starting to it was kind of getting towards you know evening at this point and I said I'm just gonna have a shower and wash off the salt and and get into something comfy and so I had a shower and and came out and um, Tyson was out the back putting the chickens to bed 
and it's probably about seven o'clock at this point. And then he just hears this noise and I make this sound and drop to my knees and my water's literally exploded <gasps> like in the movies. Wow. <laughs> and I was so prepared for that not to happen because, you know, everyone says it's not like in the movies. It went, I heard the pop and I just gushed water all over my clean clothes, all over the carpet. I was like, oh, my God, I guess my water's just broke. Wow. Um, so he came in and he's like, okay, we're on here. And um started um like just cleaning up the mess and i was like okay i'm just gonna go to the toilet and so let, let the midwife know what had just happened and she was like okay cool I'll, I'll, i'm gonna get some sleep now but i'll keep my phone on obviously and just you know call me when things are, are ramping up and so it just we weren't really timing contractions or anything like that but they were starting to come pretty hard and fast and so i really planned to want to have we were having a, a, um, a water birth, but I'd planned on wanting to move around the house and, you know, do all that kind of more active labor stuff as much as possible. So I just said to my partner, I'm like, I just feel like I need to lie down on my side in this moment and just rest a little bit. My midwife was like, I can't believe you got sunburnt. You need to drink more water. Mm -hmm. So I was just really focused on hydrating and, you know, it's like sucking on the little icy pole things we'd made and just lying down and breathing. And they weren't super intense, but they were definitely getting closer and closer together. Like I was really able to just, I was just breathing through it. And so my partner went and set up the birth space and then I was just so excited to be in the birth space. So I wanted to get out of the bed and go and have a look. And it was just so beautiful. He'd, he'd set up candles and all the pieces that we'd made during my mother's blessing. My friends had made like little clay features and candles and he'd sent them a message telling them to light their candles. And it just felt so sacred and so beautiful. Um, and I was like, I just want to get in the pool now. And he's like, no, I think we should wait a bit. And so then I then I had this feeling of, oh, God, the acai bowl. So then I'm running to the bathroom and I'm on all fours in the shower, vom violently vomiting up the acai bowl. Oh. <laughs> I, knew, I knew this would happen. <laughs> so I'm on all fours vomiting the acai bowl oh, no. up. And then I spent a lot of time on the toilet. Like it just, I felt like I needed to do that final poop purge mm -hmm. um, and final and once I had gotten that out, I felt kind of empty in my bowels and I was like, okay, cool, this is – this." I felt a lot better. Um, and then, you know, we kind of walked around the house a bit. I was I was on all fours a lot. He was doing a lot of sacrum pressure. Like at one point I'm saying, you need to press harder. And he's like, babe, I, I'm, I'm a big man. Like I'm literally going to break you. And I was like, you push harder now. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you will not break me. And he was like, okay. Oh, so, yeah, we just – at that point I was still – I wasn't really making any sounds. I was still just really quietly breathing through each – each. I was calling them waves. Each wave that came, I was just breathing. And But I remember thinking, oh, this is – this is like there's little breaks coming between these surges. And so it must have been about 10 or so p.m. Um, and we're back in bed at that point. I was just like, oh, I just want to lie down for a bit. Tice was really good at making sure I wasn't resting and being stagnant for too long. So he'd kind of let me rest and we'd do some massage. And then he'd be like, okay, cool, I think it's time we get back up and go to the toilet or get back in the shower or walk around the house a bit or do some dancing or something. Just to, he knew that I really wanted to keep moving. Mm -hmm. So even though I was like, no, I just want to lie here forever. This this is comfortable. So I was just getting up, moving around. He called the midwife when I stopped breathing kind of calmly through this through the transactions and started using sound in this really deep guttural moan. And he's like, okay, something's shifting here. And so she came, and I think at that point I was still on the toilet, and um, I said, I really feel like I want to get in the water. Like, I just want that relief of feeling the warm water in my belly. So they're like, okay, cool, yeah, let's go to the birth pool. 
So they take me out into the birth pool and I was just riding the waves of contractions. And at that point, they were coming much harder and much faster. And I, my, my sounds were becoming much more like a wildebeest. Like I was just deep guttural moans. And I was really, really using like sound. I'd been doing a lot. So I, I also have a prenatal yoga series and a, and a lot of that I teach, we do a pregnancy om. So instead of like your om, it's really pretty in yoga class. A pregnancy om is like om, om, like deep guttural. So I was doing a lot of those deep because I was, I was focusing on sending energy down and staying grounded. So I was doing a lot of sounds, a lot of energy work just to feel energy moving down rather than that heightened, you know, getting up in my chest and my head. So I was making all these moaning sounds, really connecting down with earth. And I was in the pool at that point for, I've been in there for about an hour, an hour and a half. And um, I, I, my midwife said to me at one point, she was like, Emma, are you pushing? And I was like, yeah, I just feel like I need to, like I felt this urge to push. And she's like, okay. And I said to her, can I? And she goes, you can do whatever you want. I'm like, okay. So I felt I started this pushing sensation, just felt like, I was so, I said to, I was so done with the feeling of the contractions. I just wanted to harness the energy that was building in my body and push it out of me. Mm -hmm. That was the feeling I had. And I, so I started this pushing process and she was just, you know, quietly observing, quietly observing. And I had in my head, you know, this is again, that subconscious program. I mean, one of my other girlfriends had had a beautiful home birth, but it went for 36 hours. And I had this moment where I knew the second midwife had arrived at that point and I thought to myself, hang on a second, it, it's not daylight again. We haven't been at that for, at this for that long. If I have another 30 hours to go, there's no way I'm going to make it. And so I said to Libby, hey, just wondering, how much longer do you think this is going to take? <laughs> and she just laughed and said, oh, how long is a piece of string? Um, and I said, I, <laughs> I said, I'm just wondering how much energy I, I need to conserve because this is a lot. And she goes, put your fingers inside yourself and tell me if you can feel ahead. And so I put my fingers in. I'm like, I don't feel anything. And she's like, just push them in until you feel something. And I got up to my first knuckle and I was like, holy shit, I feel a head. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my God, that's his head. Ah! <laughs> it was this wait, wild moment. So she said, she's like, okay, I think, I think we need to get you back out and get you on the toilet because we, I want, you know, once the baby gets down closer to you, like once it gets closer, once we start crowning, we'll get back into the pool. Um, but it was almost like, you know, that, that same old story of the water was so relaxing and I was so chill that it was slowing down the process a bit. So we got to the toilet and the second midwife and my partner and everyone's like helping me waddle. I had to go up two steps to get to the bathroom. And as soon as I got on the toilet, it was on. Like I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to like literally poo this baby out on the toilet. Like I just couldn't stop pushing. And <laughs> Libby said to me, she was like, Em? You're going to need to stop pushing if you don't want to birth on the toilet. And I was like, I can't stop. Like, the force is so strong. And so they're like, okay, cool, get her back in the pool. So they're waddling. Tyson's got his hand in between my legs. Just They're like, just put your hand there in case the baby shoots out. <laughs> so we're wandering back. They, I literally clamber back into the pool. And at that point, I was like, I'm ready to push this baby out. And that was the only time that she really coached me. And I said, I, I, said, I can do this in one push. And she was like, let him stretch you. And I'm like, what? She's like, <laughs> just let him stretch you. And so I felt him crown and I felt him go back up. And I, I said, no, no, he's going back up. I want him to go down. She's like, just let him come in and out slowly. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me, lady? Like, I'm just, I was like warrior woman mode. I was like one push and we are on. And she's like, let him stretch you. And it was the best advice because I had no tearing. Mm, so yeah. I let him come in 
in and out and his head you know I didn't really do the whole like you know those scales um of where you sit um I can't remember the phrase that they use which percentile you're in his head was like off the percentile chain like he should have literally torn me apart he was ginormous but just in and out in and out and it was uncomfortable and I was mentally so ready to get him out and then I just completely transcended I went off to another planet and I felt this like pop come out as his head came through and I was like Oh, and Libby's watching at this point with a little mirror and a light under the water. And she was like, hey, that was his head. And I was just like, oh, just this sense of relief through my whole body of that feeling. And she's like, okay, cool. Yeah, let's just, you know, just keep breathing. And then the next push will be his body. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I could hear everything she was saying. I could hear the music. It was quite interesting at at that moment of his head coming through. This song came on my playlist that we'd actually done a meditation to at my mother's blessing. And I felt the song is called Aham Prema, which in Sanskrit means I am love. And it just repeats that mantra over and over again, like a drumbeat. And I felt all the women from my blessing way surround the pool. And I felt generations of women before me. And I felt all the goddesses of all the, I had a little birth altar with, you know, Kali and Lakshmi and all these different goddesses there. And it's like, I felt women from every generation, from all the ancestors around that birth pool in that moment. And I totally transcended to the stars and felt his head and his body leave my body. But at that point, it was like I'd so deeply transcended that I wasn't in my body anymore. And I heard Libby say to me, Em, your baby's in between your legs. You need to reach down and pick him up. Wow. And I was kind of like, what? <laughs> Whoa, I was so in and out of this realm. And so I leant down and I picked him up and I was just in total shock. I sat back on the little step in the pool and I'm just looking at him like, Oh my, like I had no words and she, she came over and she's like, and my partner at that point's bawling his eyes out and he's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And saying all these beautiful things. And I'm just standing there like a stunned mullet looking at this like human being that just came out of my body being like, what just happened? Um, and, and, um, she, she said, you know, just, just, he wasn't crying at that point. She's like, talk to him, talk to him. And so I started talking to him and then he, you know, he started to cry. And then I just, you know, I started crying myself in shock. Um, and my cord was a little bit, it turns out it wasn't actually short. It was just stuck. But at the time it felt short. So he felt really awkward. I couldn't pull him all the way up. I was kind of like, oh, get this placenta out of me. And my midwife came over and she's like, look, he's still got all the vermix on him, like all that mucusy stuff they have. And she's like, it means he actually wasn't technically overdue, you know. And it was interesting because he actually was born for exactly 40 weeks from the day we conceived. You know how they work it out based on your last period? But from the date of conception, it's like bang on. It was quite interesting. So at that point, I said, i got to get out of this pool. This pool. Like the feeling of the cord being a bit short was just uncomfortable to hold him. So I, in my mind, I guess I'd envisioned that I'd sit in the pool for a while and have this beautiful moment, but I was just like, get this placenta out of me. <laughs> and so... I stood up and kept, I just held him and and walked over to the couch and lay down and just placed him on my chest. And um, I said to Libby, I'm like, okay, how do I get the placenta out? And she was like, just, you know, one little push. And she just held, she just kind of held the cord and literally just went like jelly out of me. And that was the feeling that was almost the same relief that I had when his head came out. I was like, thank God, like, oh, now I feel comfortable. And so then he did the breast crawl up my chest and latched onto the booby and I was just in total awe of what had just happened. Like, 
wow, I just brought this human being into the world and it was it was about eight hours from the from my late my land waters breaking to him coming earthside. Wow, wow. Just so incredible. Was there a specific moment that you felt yourself fully come back into your body? So when I got onto the couch, actually when I was when I was in the pool, I really did a few conscious breaths. Mm-hmm. Um, and my partner and I had spoken about it because I knew that it could happen that it takes a while to come back into your body. And I'd said, if that happens to me and I need a moment, like you just hold him on your skin. But because the cord was a bit short and it was kind of all a bit awkward because um, it was a bit stuck, it, that just didn't play out that way. So I was like, okay, cool. You're holding this baby. You're out of your body. You need to come back. And so I just really took some deep breaths and just kind of started to feel all parts of myself arriving back. And then it was once I got the placenta out and was laying on the couch and he kind of crawled up and latched that I felt like, you know, I came, I felt like I just jolted back into my body and I was like, whoa, that just happened. That was so cool. And then I just, it was like, I became me again. Like, I'm like, whoa, that was amazing. And then like, we, you know, we were drinking a cup of tea, eating peanut butter slice. And I'm like, that's so cool. Yeah, um, wow. yeah I felt like I felt like I landed at that point. And, you know, then the midwife, she did the, she was like, okay, now I, I do have to, to check and just make sure there's no tearing in case we have to do any stitching or anything. And that was actually my biggest fear. I was like, I don't want stitches right now. Get out of my vaginal region. Like, <laughs> get out of it. And she looked and she was like, you know, she had a bit of, she had a bit of a look and she was like, actually, like, you know, then the second, second midwife, you know, put her face in as well. And she was like, no, I actually think I think you're okay. And I'm, that was this moment of like, thank the gods because mm. the last thing I want right now is someone putting a needle. Oh on me. yeah. How much um, did he end up weighing? He was just over four kilos. Nice. So he was big a big bopper. Yeah. And I was I was quite small during the pregnancy. Everyone's like, oh, you're gonna have the tiniest baby. And yeah, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the other shock. Even even our midwife was like, wow, I didn't expect you to have such a big baby. Um, so yeah, it was just that was everything about it was like whoa, whoa, whoa. And then, yeah, I think we probably would have been about an hour laying on the couch and having him feed and suckle and just in that moment. And then um, we do Vedic meditation, and part of that when the baby is born, the dad gives the baby their first mantra, and so it usually happens in those first few hours after birth. And so I said to Tyson, like, you can give him his mantra. So then he held him for the first time and whispered the little mantra in his ears and. As he whispered it, his eyes opened and his pupils like fully dilated. It was like this beautiful moment of the two of them connecting. And um, I think at that point I was like, I, I just feel like I need to go to the toilet and just like whew, breathe a little bit. And then, yeah, we got into bed. Midwives, they were amazing. They just cleaned up everything. Like it was incredible. And they brought us, we had heaps of food in the freezer. We had kind of, you know, snacks galore. So they brought me a meal and a cup of tea and we got into bed and I just like had him on me for, we did about two weeks of pretty much skin to skin with either myself or my partner just laying in bed. And it was just so incredible and so wild. And yeah, it was, it was the best experience of my life. Yeah, incredible. What about your placenta? Did you end up doing anything special with that? Yeah, so I decided to encapsulate it. I'd kind of, you know, looked at lots of different traditions that bury it and I understood the why behind it, but I guess I'd also heard so many women that were like, I got so much energy back from consuming it. And so that was a little bit of a process and that was why I couldn't birth the placenta in the water because you have to birth it out of the water and then it goes into a like a container and a freezer and blah, blah, blah. There's a bit of a process involved. So that was kind of, I guess, the reason why I couldn't just birth the placenta in the pool and be done with it. I had to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so we sent the placenta off to a local doula and she did like a freeze-dried method where they add Chinese herbs to it. I think it came back like it was pretty quick, two or three days later. And I genuinely felt like, look, it could be a huge placebo, who knows? But I genuinely felt like every time I took those placenta capsules, it gave me, like it was like a shot of coffee. I felt so deeply nourished and I had this energy. I genuinely cried when they ran out. I was like, no. Mm. Um, But it turned out my placenta was, it was 650, it was quite big. Um, So I ended up with quite a few extra um, doses which was cool and one really interesting thing the lady who encapsulated the placenta took a photo of it and she did a print like it was actually really really gorgeous my girlfriend's gifted it to me and it's such a cool like now I have this plint of the placenta and she you know does this beautiful way of presenting the umbilical cord and she took a photo of it and sent it to me and she goes I've only ever read about this but in the top right hand corner of my placenta and I can send you the Instagram photo that I shared of this so you can link it you can see the egg that he came from and it is like this tiny speck, this tiny little white speck that's opened, and then this like tree of life placenta has. It is, Whoa. it's insane. Like that's it's so the cool. most amazing. She was like, I've never actually seen this. This is incredible. So that was just like wow. But just yeah, so much. Mind Thank blowing. you, placenta. <laughs> yeah, mind blowing. So yeah, I, I I definitely would encapsulate again. I really loved that as a, for postpartum. Yeah. Awesome. I loved it as well. So to wrap up the episode, what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there listening? I think going in prepared and also really connected to your own innate wisdom. We unfortunately live in a society where birth preparation and birth conversations aren't the norm and they I mean, ideally they should be in school and whatever. Anyway, so I think it's really easy to give your power away to somebody that you think knows better, but your body is designed to birth. Like that is literally biologically what you are here to do. And so whatever it is that you need to do to connect you to that, and if that's birthing in a hospital, amazing. If that's where you feel the safest and the most empowered, great. But I think going into it with knowledge of how the system works and then and actually spending the time feeling into how do you want to birth and the same for postpartum. How do you want your postpartum to look like? Not how your mother's looked like, not how society expects you to, you know, be back at work three weeks later, you know, nothing like that. How do you actually want it to look like based on your own needs? Because I think that is how we actually have empowered mothers making decisions on their own terms rather than just constantly giving out our power away to this patriarchal system that tells us how we should do something that we have literally been born to do yes love that so much now just quickly as well you're also a big role model for many women on social media including myself and a big advocate for women standing in their power and tapping into their intuition during their Mm. motherhood journey is there any advice you could give the women listening to help them navigate this new season of life? Yeah. I know that there's a lot, but something that you found really impactful for you while going through this transition of maiden to mother. I think for me, I went into postpartum really, really prepared. Like we chose to do a first four days kind of our version of that. So we had no visitors. We had people dropping off food. We had a meal service. I literally laid on my back for the first two weeks and then slowly, slowly progressed to walking. And I feel like that really aided in my physical recovery. So I think my my advice through that is like honour your actual physical body and what it has been through because how you spend those first 40 days dictates the next 40 years. So you do not need to get up and hang the washing out at two weeks postpartum. Like, no, that's not your, that's not your job. That's not your priority. Call a friend, get your partner, do it, whatever. I think 
I really allowed myself to soften into the season that I was in. And I knew that in those early days, the season I was in was needing to rest, needing to bond with the baby, needing to breastfeed, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then that progresses. So then if you, then, you know, you move out of that postpartum period and you feel like you get that bit more energy and you want to get out in the world, then you hit a sleep regression, then you hit, you know, whatever it is that happens with yeah. babies as they continue to develop and grow. It's really about softening to the season that you're in, understanding that you are in a season of matrescence. You're in that space between, you know, you don't just give birth and become a mother. It, mm. It's a process of importance. And so, I think, you know, it just becomes rather than surrendering, because I don't think we want we don't want to surrender and let the wave just take us over. We want to soften into it and know that this is not forever. But how can I be soft with myself here? Because there's no bouncing back. Like that's all you're literally never going to be the same person that you were. But even if you're not giving birth, you're constantly evolving and growing. It's just that that transition to motherhood is so much more in your face like it's it's harder to ignore whereas at humans by our very nature our consciousness is always always evolving so we're always going forward that's just a part of life mm. um so i think if you can just be soft with yourself within that and be really gentle and kind of know that nothing lasts forever and the more that you can process things as they occur in the moment the less long-term trauma you create so the less likely you are to wake up in your mid-50s and be like what the heck have i been doing in my life i don't know who i am mm rather than kind of getting to that point because you've just masked it and put you know put it in the deal with it later file you're actually just softening into what's occurring in that moment i think that really helps for me having practice of meditation is game changing for that because it gives me this constant reminder of what i am beyond my you know physical human self i'm able to tap into that universal consciousness and be reminded that there's something bigger at play playing out um that gives me also beautiful deep rest when you're very sleep deprived yeah. um but I feel like that's a really empowering practice to just come back to yourself and just allow it to happen slowly. You know, it's it's not a race and there is no end point. It's just a constant evolution. Mm. Yeah, powerful words. Wow, such a wise soul. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Emma. You were definitely worth the wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we got there in the end. Me too. You're amazing. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom with us today. Thanks for having me. That brings us to the end of today's episode, guys. I am such a big fan of Emma. She shares her raw and honest journey through matrescence over on her Instagram page. So I highly recommend giving her a follow. She's also given all of you, my PBA listeners, a special discount to her offerings, which were mentioned on today's show. You can find all of the links in the show notes. Simply use the code POSITIVEBIRTH to receive 10% off. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Let me know what you think over on the PBA Instagram. And if you love the show, leaving a review on your podcast platform helps us to reach more women who need it. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you all next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.